0: Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2, Paul writes, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. When Paul is writing this, he's actually writing it from a prison cell. So he says, Pray for an open door. That I may proclaim Christ even though I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Then he gives some instruction be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity, and let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I want to use this passage today to give you a forward farewell. A forward farewell. We're going to look at some things, and in this final closing remarks of Paul, he wants to give us a forward farewell. It's always my custom to pray before we get into the preaching of God's word. So if you would just bow your head with me, I want to say a prayer over our time together. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that every time we open up your word, you speak. And Lord, I ask that you would do it again. Use me. Let me, as Paul said, proclaim it clearly. God, you know what people are facing and dealing with, so let this word go straight to their heart. Let it produce fruit in their life. I thank you for it. And everybody who agrees with that can say, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm curious, has anybody ever told you that you can be direct, maybe blunt? Anybody ever told you that you're blunt? You just say that. Some of you, it's not a mystery. Your, your hand's shot up in the air just to let everybody know that you are direct, and blunt. I honestly appreciate frankness in conversations. Uh, I, I think uh, it's, it's a good thing to be candid. It's a good thing to be uh, forthcoming. Just because you're direct doesn't mean that you can't use tax. doesn't mean that you need to be inconsiderate of people's feelings. I prefer it than always wondering where you stand with people and what they're at. But um, I, I would just tell you that I think being frank, being forthcoming, being candid, being direct, being forward... Uh, is is good, most of the time. I say most of the time because I have four children, and at this point, I really wonder, um, I wonder if my kids have any kind of filter, to tell you the truth, because they're always saying stuff that I'm either embarrassed about later, or it's just saying stuff to me that um, that I don't appreciate very much. I mean, my my middle son, Oliver, he told me the other day, because it's my birthday last week, thank you for all the birthday love, and and it was my birthday last week, and he's like, Dad, um, <laughs> he's like, Dad, you, you look really good for your age. <laughs> and I was like, what is that supposed to mean? He's like, well, I just like, you know, you're fit, you look good, but I mean, you know, most dads your age have black hair. So I spanked him, and I sent him to his room. I <laughs> said, don't you ever talk to me like that again. And, uh, I, you know, it's not just him. I mean, it's it's all of my kids. They they will just put it out there. Uh, Pippa, like, she will say, Dad, I want you to take me on a date so you can buy me something. <laughs> not like, Dad, I, I love you. I want to spend time with you. Let's go out. It's so, like, Dad, I want you to buy me something, so let's go. Like, that's, I don't know where they get it from. Um, actually, I would tell you that they get it from their mom. Uh, because Marissa... It's honestly one of the things I love about it. It's one of the reasons I fell in love with her because the girl knows what she wants. I mean, she she's direct. She doesn't, you know, like point. She will just tell you what she wants. Case in point, she kissed me when we were di- Like it wasn't, I was being respectful, but she, you know, she knew what she wanted, so she just goes in for it. And she's always been that. With Three days into knowing each other, she exclaimed that she was going to marry me. How many of you know, Pastor Nate, do not ev- ever let her make you feel bad for moving fast. I'm just saying she how many that's forward that's that's pretty forward but um paul is forward paul is forward paul in colossians 4 he's concluding his letter and he's making his preferences known he's not just speaking straight to the people he's he's steering them and that's the good thing about being direct being direct is directive he's giving some instruction and in closing out his letter he wants them to see past the problems that they're currently facing and he wants them to practice some he wants them he wants them to put into practice something that will, will put them ahead and we we talked about this last week how transition isn't easy that there's trouble with transition that there's a problem with packing anytime you are needing to live now while preparing for what's next, you always feel unsettled. You always feel uncomfortable. You you always feel like things are just not quite right. And so Paul, now that he's closing out his letter, he's wanting to give them some practical handles for what they need going forward. How many think this would be helpful for us as a church, as we're preparing to close out this season, that we would take some practical handles to move forward into the next season and As I was reading this passage this week, God showed me, and what Paul wrote, that there is a game plan in his goodbye. If you didn't know this already, you need a game plan for your goodbyes. How many of you know that? You do. Have you ever tried to break up with somebody without a game plan first? You you need a game plan. Don't do it over text. Come on, that's a jerk move. Um, Don't do it on or before Valentine's Day. I know like you're thinking you're sparing their feelings, but look. You, you entered into this relationship, just endure it for at least a solid month and a half before you end it. Just don't. You need a game plan. But, but, I mean, you need game plans and different things in life, game plans for your goodbyes. My wife has been so thorough helping me understand what is required when I drop off my kids for school, especially for their first day. She, I mean, wrote out a list, and these are all the things. Apparently, one of the things I'm supposed to do is to walk them into their classroom. I feel like at some point in life, they just, you know, I mean, Pippa's got three older brothers, they can take her in. I don't necessarily, she's got to learn where her classroom is eventually. But there's, there's some specifics that need to happen when you're saying goodbye. Even um, you think about this, I mean, a lot of people put their families in through frustration because they've never planned their exit. In the, in the same way, when you're leaving one place and setting out for another, you need a plan to move forward. That's what Paul is doing in his closing comments. He is he's giving the church, he's closing out his letter, but he's coaching them for what they need to remember as they move forward. And he does it with a directive. It's found in Colossians 4, verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. In other words, there needs to be this ongoing Persistence. There needs to be this ongoing perseverance of prayer that should take place. Devote yourselves to prayer. If I was going to put this in one word, Paul's saying you need to be prayerful. Prayerful. Devote yourselves to prayer. In other words, this is something that you need to attend to. Now, I pray a lot, and that's a good thing because I'm a pastor. It's kind of my job. You know, this would be a really bad situation if I was like, you know, I just discovered this thing called prayer. Let me tell you guys about it. It is amazing. Um, I I pray a lot. It kind of comes with the territory. But as I was reading it this week, honestly, I asked myself the question, can I really say I'm devoted to prayer? Devoted to prayer. Because if I'm being honest with you, most of the time I feel good if prayer is remembered. I feel good if prayer is like accomplished that day. I mean, I do it a lot, but its I don't know that I could say I'm devoted to prayer because that word devoted, in my mind, it has this implication that with the plethora of things vying for my attention, that prayer takes precedence, that, that prayer is prioritized, devoted to prayer. Paul says that, Our Christian life should be characterized by this. They should be prayerful. In fact, in this series where we're talking about packing punch, how to prepare powerfully for what's next, I wonder if the reason our lives aren't more powerful is because our lives aren't more prayerful. Devoted to prayer. So this was the first thing that stuck out to me, and I want to ask you very direct, and excuse me for being so forward, but I would just ask that as we're preparing to go into our new facility, these next two weeks, starting today, would you devote yourself to prayer? Would you commit to be a person of prayer? Would you be prayerful? And I know sometimes the reason we aren't, because we're not really sure, well, what should I pray? Well, Paul tells us right here, he says, I want you to devote yourself to prayer, and when you pray, Pray for us. Pray for us. I like that. Pray for us. Because the implication is that ministry takes a team. I was so blessed by our team that was working yesterday, but, you know, it wasn't just our team working yesterday. There's past couple weeks and various times throughout the last month or so, there's been people that have given their time to help get things ready, And really the story of our church is that this church was built by a team. It's built by a team. This church was never built on the talents of a few people. This church was always built by the sacrifices of many people. This church was built by a team. And I know there's a lot of things going on in the world and there's a lot of things that you can pray for and you should pray for. But I guess I wanna give you this understanding that it's not selfish to pray For us. Pray for for us. For for us, for our church. I want to ask you these next two weeks to devote yourself to prayer, to be prayerful, and pray for us. And this is what he says. Pray for us that God may open up a door for our message. This is the instruction I want to give you. Pray for us that God will open up a door for his message. What's that mean? Open door. You see this phrase. Paul uses it a ton. He's basically saying, I want you to pray that evangelism will be effective. I want you to pray that God is going to give us some opportunities to share the gospel. I want you to pray that as we proclaim the gospel, that hearts are receptive. I want you to pray that as we're doing ministry, that people have ears to hear. I want you to pray that God is going to give us inroads and entrance into people's lives, that the gospel is going to get into places that maybe it's never been into before. I want to ask you to pray that God will open up doors for our ministry. Can I ask you to pray for us? For us, for our church, pray that God is going to open up some doors, that as we step into this new season, that the gospel is going to go forth like never before, that God's word is going to go into people's hearts and change people's lives from the inside out, that the ministry is going to be effective, that God is going to give influence and favor and open doors so that God's word and his kingdom can be established. That's what it is to pray for open doors. But Paul doesn't doesn't stop there. I love his boldness because he says, pray for us, pray for this message, but then pray for me. Pray pray for me. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Pray for me. Pray that this message gets out. Pray that I can stand strong. Pray this because I have to do this. Not begrudgingly. He's, he's saying, I'm called to this. This is the path that God has marked out. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly because I should. This is what God has made me to do. And if if I could be so forward as you're praying for us and you're praying for this message, can I ask you to pray for me? Pray for me. Pray that God would use me. Pray for protection for, for me and my family. Pray that I'll be able to stand strong and do the things that, God has called me to do, because I'm called to this. This is what I'm supposed to do. Pray that God will use me to lead our church well, that God will use me in our I know that seems a little forward, but as you're praying for us and praying for this message, I want to ask you to, to pray for me. Be prayerful. Every day this week, as we're leading up to our new facility, it says, be prayerful, but then I also want you to be watchful. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, Colossians 4.2, being watchful, being watchful. Now, some of you are like, great, I got this one. In fact, I have been watchful since March of 2020. Mar- watchful is what I do. Now, he's not saying, like, just hang back, just observe, just, you know, chill out and watch what's going on. That's not what it means by being watchful. When he's saying be watchful, he means be ready, stand ready. In fact, he says it a little more clearly in the next verse. He says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. In other words, you can't make the most of every opportunity if you're not ready. So you got to be ready. Now, if there's one thing I could say about our church I feel like our church has always stood ready. I feel like our church has always stood ready to step in and step up whenever there's a need, whenever there's an opportunity to serve people, whenever there's an opportunity to make a difference, whenever there's an opportunity to let the gospel go forth. Our church is great at standing ready. In fact, I was just thinking um, last week, I mean, as many of you have, I've been burdened by all the things going on in the world, praying for Things happening all over the world. And we talked about some of them, whether it's, you know, Haiti or just in our country or Afghanistan. And particularly my heart's been drawn to Afghanistan because one of the things we've done for a long time, and we don't always make a big deal about it, but we've always, from early on in our church, been giving towards evangelism in the Middle East, sending Bibles, all these kind of things. So uh, when we had an opportunity to do something, I'd reached out to one of our partner organizations. I said, all this is going on, what are you guys doing? How can we come alongside and, and help you? And I just presented the opportunity to you last week. You guys stepped up in an incredible way because you stand ready. In fact, he, he messaged my friend, uh, one of the leaders of the organization, he, he messaged me yesterday and he just said, please tell them, talking about you, Velocity says, please tell them how much they're giving is making a difference. You not only took care of basic needs for 30 families, but just last week alone. So you guys gave on Sunday, some you gave throughout the week. Just last week alone, you helped 12 people get to safety, get safely transported out of the country. And he said there, there's actually um, three or four more families they're looking to transport today, today or tomorrow. They're working on that. And uh, just to put things in perspective, World Compassionist Organization that we're partnering with, I mean, they've got the names of 421 other people and their families that they're trying to help in this humanitarian crisis. And I just want to put this in perspective because you guys are so great at standing ready. You, you you, You gave last week, but we do this normally, like week in, week out. There is not a week at our church that... There is not somebody being helped because of your generosity. There are people that are getting help with immediate needs, like people on the verge of homelessness, that that we help, we give them shelter. People experiencing homelessness, we, we give them shelter. We, we help them with, with their utilities. That's locally. There's things we do all over the world, caring for people and their most basic needs. There's people that we help with their medical needs, people with their psychological needs, helping them get counseling, with, with legal needs. There's there's all of these different needs that your generosity is going to make a difference every single week at our church. And then last week, just put this in perspective, just by presenting the need, you guys gave an additional $3,000 to go help these families in Afghanistan who you'll never meet until you get to heaven. Thank you for standing ready. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you for, for being watchful, all because you're watchful, all because you were ready, all because you're prepared, you saw a need and you stepped into it. And I guess what I'm asking is these next two weeks, I want to ask you to continue to do that, to stand ready, to be watchful. One One of the best ways that you can do this, be watchful, is to share what you're receiving. Here's what I mean by that. Paul speaks about this specifically in verse 16. He says, after this letter... Has been read to you, see that it's also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. In other words, don't just keep this to yourself, pass it on. Can I tell you what Paul was writing to the Colossian church applies to you and me? Don't just keep this to yourself, pass it on. If you have received from this ministry, if this ministry has helped you, it's gonna help somebody else too share it with somebody. If you are encouraged by this environment, if you're strengthened by this community, if the messages are ministering to you, share it, share it. And I was thinking about being watchful how next week we're we're not gathering physically, we're watching online. I want to ask you to share it, share it. It's amazing what happens when you share Because let me tell you what happens. I recognize like in the room, it might be, It might seem smaller than what it's been in the past, but our church has never been bigger. The reason our church has never been bigger is because we have people every week who tune in online faithfully, who consider us your church home, thank you. They're watching online from all over the world, literally different places throughout the world, not just in the country, not just in the state, all over the world because somebody shared it. And that's what happens when you share. I'm, I'm, this isn't for us. This is for you. I'm trying to give you some practical tools to help be evangelistic. When you share a message, it allows somebody else to receive from what you're receiving. So I want to ask you, be prayerful. Be watchful. Then Paul says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and Thankful. Until you, be thankful. Now, I shared quite a bit on being thankful last week, but what I love about Paul when he writes this, he's not just writing, saying uh, that this is something that you have to do. He's not mandating this. He's modeling it. And I want to read to you eight verses, starting in verse seven, to just show you this. He says in Colossians 4, 7, Tychicus, great baby name, by the way, Tychicus, Can you just say that with me? Tychicus. That's great. It just rolls off the tongue. Um, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, if you have twins, Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner... Aristarchus, I hope you're so impressed that I can pronounce these names. Send you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who's called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co workers for the kingdom of God, and they've proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who's one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him, that he's working hard for you and for all those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Now this, this list reads like kind of a, a closing credit scene at the end of a movie. Paul's listing out all these people who have contributed to the ministry. And I was just kind of thinking like, This is our last portable Sunday. Honestly, I've been very much in my emotions just thinking about all the people who have contributed in various ways. And I was thinking, man, how can I do this? How can I like, uh, I I wanted to really just try and like, I don't know, just give a roll call of everybody who's ever done anything, but that would probably be boring for you. And so I didn't do that. But what I appreciate is these people didn't pen the letter but Paul gives them credit for the ministry. And I just wanted to say, thank you. I want to say thank you. We're gonna be celebrating 10 years. We've been doing this portable thing for a while. And thank you to everybody who has contributed. I just think about people who've been with us from the beginning, from day one. It's not very many of you, but there's some of you who have been here from day one, even before our first official launch Sunday and you maybe have never even considered yourself back then that you'd be in ministry, but you're in ministry, thank you. I wanna say thank you to our pastor's council. It's a team of people here that not everybody knows, but man, they've been very instrumental just helping oversee like a lot of the stuff going into this building and you know, contracts and budgets and all of that and making sure that the church is well cared for. I wanna say thank you to our, our visioneering team. Our visioneering team is a team of people that give generously. So what it is, they've already committed to tithe, which is to bring God our first and best. And then they say, I believe in this vision so much. I wanna build this vision that they commit to give above and beyond their, their tithe to help this ministry go forward. I wanna say thank you to everybody who's been part of Visionary, couldn't have done this without you. I, I wanna say thank you to all of our Sunday teams. There's a lot of Sunday teams. I was trying to get a number, like how many people have served in various capacities, probably since we've started, well over 800 people, um, have have maybe over a thousand, have been on a Sunday team at some point and have contributed to making this ministry possible. Like I I know that, I mean, just think about the different, (laughs) different things that go into making church happen, but you know, dealing with like crazy stage setups and trying to block it off so it doesn't feel too crazy when you walk in here so we can worship God without distraction and creating environments where your kids can be served. And all, you know, midweek rehearsals and all that, like thank you to all of our Sunday teams that have been doing this for so long. I uh, Thank you to our group leaders that have been like giving of their times, their homes and creating space for people to have community. I want to say thank you to the people who give. People who've been just faithfully trusting God with your first and your best. For for years now, making this ministry possible, so it could reach people. I, I want to say thank you to the people that show up. I, I mean, you think like it would be really awkward if I just stared into a camera, and nobody was here. Just just being here. I I know for some of you it's it's a step of faith, and it's meaningful to me. It means a lot to me, and the people that you know are part of our online family who maybe can't show up or you haven't showed up yet, but you've been finding the ways that you can get involved and you've been faithful in your giving or doing online groups or, or just tuning in every week because you don't live here, all the different things that you guys do to stay connected, thank you. I want to say thank you to the people that have been consistently inviting their friends. That's why we, I mean, you're moving the mission forward. That's why we exist, to bring those far from God, near to life in Christ. You've been inviting the people in your life who need to hear these messages. Thank you. There's so many of you people who pray, people who have, even before bringing it up, like you feel called to pray, pray for this church and for me. Thank you. I was studying this passage. I really wanted to like break down all these different people and tell you who they were in Paul's life and why they mattered, and why it was significant that he would mention their name and and the the meaningfulness of it. But I guess what I wanted you to see is that it takes a team to make ministry work. It, It takes a team. And these people might not append the message, but Paul definitely gave them the credit. And I just want to tell you, if you've been part of this church, whether online or you're here, you have no idea the people that are gonna be waiting for you in heaven because you made a decision to build the church. You have no idea the difference that you're making. So from from the bottom of my heart, on our last Sunday here, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for building God's church. Thank you for building this mission to bring those far from God, near to life in Christ. But there's one more thing I wanna tell you Uh, I think I had to cheat a little bit on this one, but I think you'll get it. Because Paul says, hey, I I wanna say farewell. There's there's four words that he says in his farewell. He says, I want you to be prayerful. I want you to be watchful. I want you to be thankful. But then I also want you to be graceful. Full, graceful. It's in verse six. He says, "Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone." Full of grace. Paul's wanting to move them from just prayer to participation. It's not just enough to pray for this church. I want you involved in this ministry. That's what he's saying. Not just praying for the ministry, but be a part of the ministry. But the way God showed me this was a little different. <laughs> Because you heard me just talk about all the teams, how this church was built by a team. And I really, as I'm inviting all of you to pray, I wanna invite you to participate as well. And I was thinking about all the reasons why people maybe would say, well, why they wouldn't participate. You know, maybe it's not the right time. (laughs) Maybe they feel like they're not the right fit. Maybe it's not the right season. I get it, there's all these different reasons that was what stuck out to me. He just says, it's that word seasoned. See, I, when I read it, I heard a little differently. God wants you, Paul's writing says, I want you to be full of grace, seasoned. You know, normally when we say that somebody's seasoned, what we mean is they've been through some stuff. They've been through some things. That They're experienced. I was thinking how the only way you can really be full of grace and experience grace, experience the fullness of grace is if you've been through some stuff. See, grace doesn't really mean much to you if you've never needed it. Grace doesn't really matter to you if you've never found yourself calling out for it. If If you've never Realized and been in that place where you know if it was not for the grace of God, you wouldn't be here? The grace doesn't have as much weight. And so for all the people that would say, it's not the right season, I'm not the right fit. Maybe it's just the opposite. Maybe you've been seasoned. Maybe you've experience the fullness of grace so that God can use you to extend the fullness of grace to other people. Grace is only grace if you've you've experienced it. And God wants to use you to extend that same grace to others. Maybe that's why Paul ends his letter in the most peculiar way. It's the last chapter, or last verse in this chapter. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Kind of puzzled me. I Paul write this greeting. This is the last part of the letter, Paul. This is not like a greeting. This is where you say farewell. This is the the end. But it got me thinking that this four-word farewell, grace be with you, That's the same greeting he used in all of his letters. I, Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ, grace be with you. Every single one. Maybe that's because it was grace that got you started and it's grace that you need to sustain you. And so as we close out this chapter, I wanted to give you this same farewell. Just go with God's grace. Let God's grace be with you. How many of you think it's gonna take God's grace for this next season, this next chapter? It was a grace that God has started, it is a grace that's carried us through, and we need God's grace to continue. So I want to